Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You listen to the coaches panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the coaches panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. The first 10 players are done. We are out of the 40s. Oh, and by the way, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, I've just uploaded a video in the past 24 hours with my, just another quick touch point of all of the players revealed in the 40s of the 50 most relevant. All the links, if you can't be bothered searching YouTube for it, are at coachespanel.tv. Just another bit of extra content to get you through the preseason. Now that we've gone through the 40s, we want to go back to the man that kicked off the 50 most relevant with me and one of the regulars of the coaches panel that you know and love. Kane is on. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, MJ. Very excited about this player today. He's... I think it's been a very interesting, you know, first 10 or so players. There's been some guys in his line, which always makes it interesting when you're comparing guys. And this guy's, yep. you know, ahead of some pretty big players in the defensive, defensive line. You've, you've already done Aaron Hall. You've already done Daniel Rich. Dawson. Dawson. You've already done Daniel Rich. So those are some guys that I think, um, you know, maybe get a bit of more of buzz. You know, there's... Yeah. Guys like Daniel Rich that obviously have such a good super coach game and have proven that. And we've seen the way, you know, Brisbane used him and Aaron Hall, we know, was one of the players of the year mm. last year. And then you've always got a player when they move club, like Jordan Dawson did, that gets a bit of extra attention. That's true. Um, so I think it's really interesting you put short at this position. So I'm keen to hear why. Yeah, uh, I'm... I'm really intrigued to get into this one with you to see exactly exactly what he could be. Let's talk about Jaden Short, just the 25 years of age, does retain that defender status um, and has been a phenomenal pick for the last couple of years um, for coaches that have jumped on board him. Last year, his top score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was also a career-high score. 122 while in super coach. Not the ceiling we'd seen from him in the year prior, but still not too bad. 129 against the Pies in super coach. We've already talked about that career high fantasy score against the Eagles, but in super coach, his best ever score was a 169. Yeah, that's nice ceiling. Hey, it was against the Cats back in 2020. He's priced at an average of 93 in AFL fantasy and dream team, 98 in super coach. And in that format, going to set you just marginally ahead of 535k, just over $780,000 in AFL Fantasy, and just a touch under AFL AFL Dream Team, it's just a touch under $800,000. And Kane, when we look over the past couple of years of what Richmond has been, Jaden Short has really emerged from being a bit player in 2017 and a little bit of 2018, to really, over the past 24 months, established himself as the rebounder, as the quarterback, and now for fantasy coaches, as a genuine premium in our line. Yeah, well, he had all the traits, didn't he, MJ? He's got that booming kick. Um, he's got some genuine pace about him. So I think a lot of people thought these are traits that translate to fantasy. And they translate to fantasy because he's a guy you want the ball in his hands. He's very creative. As I said, whether it's by sport or by using his run. So, you know, this is a guy that's got 114 games under his belt now. Mm. So this is the time where he should be entering his prime. And like you mentioned, 93 last year, 91 adjusted the year before, played all 39 games across the past 
two home and away seasons. And when you look at how that stacks up compared to the other defenders, only Jake Lloyd and Jack Chris have scored more points, more total points than Jaden Short in the past two years. Wow. So we know how important durability is, whether it's draft or salary cap. So to have a guy that pretty much you're going to lock him in, he's going to be there for you every week, he's going to give you premium output. Most weeks, yeah. Um, you can't really ask for too much more. And um, this is a guy that already has 50% share in the Tigers kicking. So you want to know why a lot of these defenders are consistent? When you're getting three, four, five, somewhere up to even 10 kicks, basically for free each week. Yeah. That's why these floors are so high. Um, and Jaden's already got that. You know, he's taking 50%, like I said. Nick Lawson was at 18. Bakagouli was at 12. They were the second and third most for the Tigers. So, you know, potentially there is even a couple more kickings that might come his way with Basher out of the side. But when you've got durability like that and you've yeah. got some scoring power, and the funny thing is, MJ, you think back to what he did in the pre-season last year, that's what got him in a lot of teams for salary cap. He dropped an absolute monster score, an absolute 150-plus score. So there is feeling in there. We just haven't seen it in an actual AFL-level game. So yeah. I still think... With the way he scores with that kick to handball ratio, I think there's one coming. Um, and you think about if he does that this year, if he drops a 150 instead of, you know, 100, yeah. that can be where we see him really get towards triple figures, which is where I think he'll get to at some point in his career. Yeah, it does feel like it's more a matter of time with Jaden rather than a hypothetical. I, I do think it's there. We we break down this 2021 season across the formats. Like you said, really durable this year and last 22 games. The average of 93 in Dream Team and Fantasy was the nine tons. Just the one over 120, but he did have five additional scores, 90 plus. So we're talking 14 of 22 games, 90 plus. Just four scores sub 80 all year. So really about 18% of games he's delivering your sub 80 and 40% of games, he's given you a ton. So solid, but not crazy, but he's ranked sixth for total points. So he's ahead of Jordan Dawson, who we alluded to just the other day in the 50 most relevant. Um, and we lauded his consistency. It, well, Shorts is arguably better in that format. Tenth for averages, ninth for points. We go over to Supercoach. Average of 98, 12 tons, four over 120. So a slightly better ceiling there. Just the five sub scores under 80. A ton in 54% of games last year. Ranked six for points in Supercoach. 11th for averages. He, he ranks elite in so many different areas outside of it. Elite for total kicks. Third in the AFL for total rebound 50s last year. 10th for rebound gains. And 10th um, in rebound, uh, in total meters gains, should I say. And sixth for total bounces. So you're seeing that run and carry that he loves to have. And you're right, when he does have the ball, he's distributing by foot much more than by hand. These numbers we saw in 2021 echo what he did in 2020. An average of 97 in Supercoach. Seven tons and just the three scores under 80 all year. While in Dream Team and Fantasy, an average of 73. You want to play the adjusted average game? Fine. It's a 91. One pure ton, three additional scores, 80 plus. Remember last year? In 2020, that is, last year, not in the current of 2021. In that season, 80 was the 100 of 2020. So we're seeing this, guys, you've mentioned it, build almost a monopoly on kick-ins, really become a reliable, durable option, is the primary rebounder, 
and then all it actually takes is is their upside. I, I suppose the two things people are wo- maybe hoping and looking for, Kane is Bashahuli out. Does that mean he becomes the primary user almost to exclusivity? And if he does, where could he get to in terms of ceiling and averages for us? Yeah, it's really, really interesting, MJ, because I think a lot of people think there's a big difference when Basha is in the team, and the numbers don't suggest there really is. No. With Basha last year, he played 12 games, averaged 92. Um, in the 10 games without Basha, he went at 95. So there is some difference, um, but nothing where you go, okay, wow, that's, that's really, really stark. You know, Basha was out, and all of a sudden, um, Jaden Short started popping off these these big ceiling games. It didn't, it didn't seem to work like that. Mm. Um, I think the interesting thing for me is the last two seasons, Richmond's ranked 13th for fantasy points. Do you think, can the team improve that? Is there a game plan shift? We know, you know, Richmond won three premierships off the back of that really quick, you know, forward handball game, the run, the leg speed, um, just get the ball forward. And it wasn't a fantasy game, was it? You know, no. Even when they were winning premierships, no. they weren't top of the tree um, in the fantasy rankings. But you think it only takes a slight shift, yep. you know, a small shift in the game plan, and maybe they want to possess the ball a little bit more. Maybe they want to go a little bit slower. You know, they've got some marking targets in their team, you know, with, with Lynch and Rewalt. So maybe they think they want to play a little bit, a little bit slower. That gives me a bit of hope. You know, if the Tigers were um, the number one fantasy team, yep. and, you know, when they're at their best, and they think, okay, maybe they are a bit more in the mid-pack, but this is a team that's 13th. Yeah. You know, so even a real improvement in that, it's going to give Short a real opportunity to score more. And again, if you're just thinking, okay, maybe I like the, the non-basher, those 10 games I mentioned without basher, where we went at 95. If you're thinking, okay, is it 95 already? maybe picks up a kick. I think you can really easily build a narrative where he's right on the fringe of 100. And when I look at this, the guys that can go over 100, there's only two that I have a lot of confidence in if they're fit yep. in the defence that will go over 100 in DT. Mm-hmm. And it's Lockie Whitfield and it's Aaron Hall, yep. both of which have injury issues. Yes. And some would say have role in, in Aaron Hall's case because that role which he played beautifully, um, you know, you flag in the other points up, could that change? Could, mm. could they have multiple users coming out of defence? Could they, you know, limit the amount of entries that come in to their defence? You know, there's a lot of things. But I think we saw how good Aaron Hall was and even a regression of 15 points from his, you know, uninjured games has him above 100. Yeah. Whitfield, we know, can genuinely challenge to be the number one fantasy player in no the question. game, including all lines. Um, Jake Lloyd, we saw Sydney had a multiple avenues. You know, we saw Dawson, yes, you know, well, play up higher in the ground. But there wasn't that reliance there was in the past. No, MJ, there wasn't that reliance to go Lloyd or um, bust. Yep, Lloyd or bust. And funnily enough, they were the number one fantasy team last year, Sydney. So, so you're thinking, okay, how, how? I don't see the world where Lloyd just does bounce back to that. You know, one one tens, yeah. I think he just is sort of stable at ninety eight. And my my point with all this is, if I think Short can get close enough 
to a Lloyd, to a Chris, to a Stewart, to these guys that are in his range, you know, those those guys like a Rich, I think he can match them. And if he's matching them... At a cheaper price. And and he's got impeccable durability. Yep. Like, as I said, the two guys that I think you'd be tempted to start over him are Whitfield and Hall because of the upside. They are so volatile that if you don't start them, they could be putting 120s on you for the first couple months. And you won't be able to get them in time before your season's over. Yeah. And as you always say, MJ, too, now you elevate the injury. Yeah. Oh, my God. Aaron Hall's flown out of the gates. 120. I know there's always injuries, but now I'm going to trade into the injury. Yeah, correct. Like, that's why you always want to start with them. So my point with Short is, as much as I love him, I think it's going to be hard structurally to fit him into a lot of teams because I think most people are going to want Paul and Whitfield if they're fit and if they're in the role and if the chat, you know, whether it's via the preseason or just via mm-hmm. um, the club says, you know, Aaron Hall is going to continue on. He was so good. Lockie Whitfield is fit. He's, you know, he's going to play his role. Like, that's two guys that you can't really turn down, especially in your DT and Supercoach. I think we know in AF there's a lot more value consideration, but in those other ones where you're sort of picking guys and really you are going to own them for the whole year. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of people want the safety of a Lloyd. So yeah. I, I think you're getting, I think you are getting the same player at a cheaper price. So for me, I, I would start short over Lloyd for that reason, just because I think the gap narrows, the durability is the same. Mm. But I think a lot of people will find it hard to fit short into their team when you've got a couple of premiums, yes, and we know there's there's some guy you did Wayne Miller, you've mentioned George Hewitt. Those are two good examples that if things look right in the preseason, they'll be really popular due to their price. So I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people to fit him in, but I think people should give him more thought. I think that's that's a really nice summation. Here's the, here's what it looks like. If you're into Jaden Short, this is the t- story you're telling yourself. Last year in 2021. He averaged 3.4 points per game in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team in 10 games, up to that 95 which you mentioned. In Supercoach, he averaged 12.3 points per game, up to that 105. So the narrative as a short owner is, I see a little bit of upside. Yes, he this, the basement might be the thing that's been holding you there and might have been for some the reason that you hadn't considered him to now because he historically hasn't had that huge ceiling of frequency there. But you go... I see the potential upside with no Hawley. I think then I'm going to bank in him as a D3 because I don't see many people, like you say, putting him at D2 or D1. I, I fit a D3 in my side and short sits perfectly as a safety net that I can see upside. That's the narrative you're telling yourself if you're going to pick Jaden Short. Equally, if you're going to not start with Jaden Short, it's because... I think Hall's got better ceiling. I think Whitfield's got a ceiling, or contrary to kind of what you said, I do think Lloyd goes back to being Mr. 105, Mr. 110, Mr. 115. So I'll pick those guys, and I don't see the ceiling of short, and so therefore I'll target him as an upgrade target because I'll get him at a comparable price, if not marginally cheaper, if he doesn't deliver the big 115, 120, 130 scores early. So I think those are the two conversations you need to tell yourself with Jaden Short. Is there upside? How do you see that coming? And is that justifiable? And if it is, 
Well, now all of a sudden you have a conversation about whether or not he fits your structure. If you don't see that upside, then you're right. He, he absolutely is just an upgrade option. For me, I've got him in a couple of formats because I actually I think there's enough data to suggest there is upside. I love his consistency. I see some upside statistically and just intuitively I see it. I just don't see a world where he's not a top 10 defender at worst. At best, I, I think he can rival being a top two to three guy. Yeah, well, again, and the thing as well that makes it easier for me to not start short with the current, you know, as we mentioned, you know, the Whitfields and the Halls and maybe those cheaper guys, is that he is very consistent. Mm. So typically what happens is, you know, the magic numbers at its highest point, the start of the season, um, short just does his thing. Let's just say it's a 95. He's going at 95. And then in about around seven or eight, you start looking for your upgrades. And you go, oh, short's a good price. He's sort of just been peppering around his 95, mm. and you bring him in. And that's why, you know, I know personally, I'm of the belief, if there's guys that can burn me, yeah, I want to start them. Yes. You know, I know there's risk. I know, you know, that some people are volatile, like to say, you know, a haul yep. could be volatile. But I, I want to reap the rewards. You know, I'm chasing, I want to do, I want to win. You know, you want to be finishing as high as possible. So if it blows up, I'd rather it blow up with me trying to go with a guy that can win it for me. But some people don't look at it like that. Some people go, no, no, I don't want to do that. I want to just take the safe guy, the durable guy. Mm. Uh, they will probably be more attracted to Jaden Short. But the funny thing in their salary cap games is nothing's ever in isolation. And no. Glowing as I've been about Jaden Short, I think it is actually the other players that you'll have available to you that make it really difficult to start him in your side. Now, yeah. maybe, for example, MJ, we get inundated with four rookies. And we know last year was a structure where a lot of people started the season with four or five premium backs. Yeah. Because that's what the game gave us. So if the game goes that way and we come out of the preseason and we feel really good, uh, maybe about a Braden Proof, maybe we feel good about a couple of Ford rookies. And all of a sudden we're looking for, okay, we need to actually get some premium guys in our team. Yeah. Maybe that's where um, Jaden Short becomes a possibility. But I think he's just a safe, safe guy, top six. And again, I would not be shocked if the season ends mm. and he's the number one total point scorer um, in DT. Yep. And possibly the super coach as well. But I think in DT, I can see the path. And the path would be an Aaron Hall and Lockie Whitfield missing games and Jaden Short not. Yes. Uh, that's where I rate him. Um, and again, you probably need a few things in the game in other positions to really determine if you can start with him. Yeah, I, I see a lot, of, a lot, a very common structure at the moment is people running two premium defenders and then starting through some value options, whether it be the already revealed Miller and Hewitt from the 50 most relevant, seeing James Sicily in a bunch of other teams. And then there's the guys like a Josh Sin, a Darcy Wilmont, for the Evergreen Will Gould, you know, like th there's these guys that are always there. So you're right. It will be interesting to see what are the players around allow because I don't see anybody starting him at D2. Like they could, but I just don't see the upside confidence to that. So it's got to be around, as you said, all the elements around him to give you that confidence to start him both with upside 
and to bank that consistency. So he's got to be in the mix. He's got to be a watch list. I don't think you can lock him into either upgrade only or start only. I, I think you, he's in consideration. And injury is the only thing for me that I can see stopping him from being a, a top five to 10 performer across the year. With that upside that you said, he, he could. There's a world where he could turn into being one of the best points um, total options for us in that back line. But draft is fascinating to me for where he goes because one of the best tools that you can give coaches on draft day is pretty flawless availability and always being there every single week and building around a guy that's not going to burn you with poor scores. So so that's in Jaden's favor. But the top end mids are really good this year. The top end forwards, I, I see there's a really clear top three in that forward line and a top couple in the back line. So where people and how people choose to go about their draft could ultimately form where he lands. He's going to be a D1 for someone, no doubt about that. But Kane, I see a world where he could slip into the fifth round. I think fourth is probably more likely, but I do see a world where he could slip as late into the fifth round in some leagues. Yeah, well, again, this is where MJ... It gets a bit interesting, isn't it? Because now we don't have to worry about price. So yeah. For me, Hall and Whitfield, clearly above. Um, clearly with that upside. Now, in this case as well, for me, Lloyd and Chris, both above. Because, again, I'm not worried about price. I think they're close enough. But, again, you've got two guys in Chris and Lloyd. They were the two players I said have beaten Jaden Short across the last two years for total points. Mm. And they're just absolute rocks in the prime of their career. So, for me, he's probably the fifth defender off the board that I would personally take. Yep. Now, I know Rangers can get confusing to people, so I might, instead of giving a round range, I know some people play eight teams, some people play 16. I think in this season, mm. he's probably a guy that goes off the board, I would have to say between 35 and 45. Yep. That's probably the range where you feel good. And it is because of the mid. Um, I think there's so many good mids. Um, you know, we typically use, you know, you've got to add 10 points to a to a defender and a forward to get their sort of relative value to a mid. Mm. Um, and I think there's a lot of really, really good mids um, that you feel safe with. And I think, as you always mention, it is somewhat simple often in the season, depending on the size of your league, to find streaming options yeah. in the forward line and defence. So, that's why people really value those mids. It's not easy to do that for mids. It's not easy to, to pick a matchup where the mids really dominate, whereas there's often some, as you said, in the forwards, if you know there's a small forward who can, might play in a 60-point win, you can really capitalise on that. So yep. I think, like, you know, I've probably got him closer to 35 than 45, but I think that would be a range. Um, because there'll be some people who do have, um, you know, a Dawson ahead of him. There's yeah, some people sure. that will have a Heffel. Rich, will, will have, whatever. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I think... That's the range where I'd be feeling really comfortable. If I got him at 35, I feel like that's fine. I think I'm going to get some value. Now, if he slides to 45, I think you're really happy. Um, and, and he will in some drafts, just by the nature of where people value the other defenders. Again, Tom Stewart, I, I've probably been a little bit disrespectful to. True. He's a guy that really doesn't let you down. But um, that's where I've got short since back, probably in the, in the 30s. So, you know, that's... That's midway through the fourth round for mine. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair summation. 
Hey, man, appreciate your work today on uh, this episode of the 50 Most Relevant, talking about Jaden Short. No worries, MJ. If you want to go and check out the article on him or any of the other players revealed so far in the 50 Most Relevant, I've dropped it online for you now at coachespanel.tv. While you're there, all the links to join our Patreon supporter group where there's cash league prizes, there's hidden groups, articles, and a bunch of other stuff that you can get involved. There's a cash tier that is right for you, all the links to get involved and see how you could support the Coaches Panel are at coachespanel.tv. That video I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, kind of recapping the first 10 players of the 50 most relevant or the first five Crows players of the 50 most relevant. You go and check that out there. Don't worry, friends. You don't see much of the pride of South Australia from here on in through the 50 most relevant. You can go and check that out on YouTube. And of course, all these podcasts are dropping every single day. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you leave a five-star rating and uh, a a nice little review as well as following us so that you get notified as soon as they land every single morning. All right, tomorrow in the 50 most relevant, you need a clue? I'll tell you, here's a clue. The player's name got said in the past four minutes. There's a clue. Who did we just say the name of that is getting appearances in the 50 most relevant tomorrow? I'll even make it easier for you. Kane said the person's name. He just rattled off a bunch of different players very quickly in the draft segment. Who is appearing in the 50 most relevant tomorrow? You might be able to guess if you go back and have a listen. You find out tomorrow, coaches, panel, friends, and family members, when we reconsider all the options of who are the most relevant players in 2022.